So everybody, this, let me, let me, um, oh no, you can, you can sort of just see the top of people's heads if I do that, Tim. I can. So there we go. Hey so, everyone. Uh, we're Great down in the, in the corner there. Some of you might be wondering, who's Tim? <laughs> Tim is over in Melbourne right now. It's currently 1.30 p.m. approximately. Yep. And um, Tim is actually a, a coach who has just about two and a half months ago started to be a mentor and a coach to our ministry team. So, Tim, we really appreciate that, and it's great because if we, um, whatever we do wrong, we've got someone we can blame. And, um, <laughs> and um, no, no, I'm just, I'm just joking. Tim, uh, Tim's someone I've actually known for, for a little while, about six or seven years now, um, at a distance, of course, because Tim's in Melbourne. But um, we, um, we have uh, just started to build a, 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 a closer relationship with Tim. And um, as I said, so he's our coach for that is for Yoy and myself and Teresa, Annalise and Aaron. And um, we, this is going to be an interesting morning because we don't know how this is going to go technologically, Tim. We will see. Um, but <laughs> Tim is going to preach for us this morning, not via Zoom. But we just want to start it. Just, just wanted to start by having him on a Zoom call and, and allowing us yeah. to say hi in, in person, sort of, but actually live, Tim. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Absolutely. Uh, so um, uh, my name's Tim. I'm part of a church over in, um, in Melbourne called Crossway Baptist Church. And yeah, um, we've, um, and uh, this is like, this feels like the first, first time I've been to church since March. It's illegal to go to church really in Victoria at the moment. So, um, uh, so it's great to be with you. Um, and uh, I suppose part of, part of the journey that, that we've been on as a church for the last, um, for the best part of the last 10 years has been in the area of discipleship and mission. What does it mean to, you know, be and bring good news to people in, in, the, in this great country of ours? Um, I've been on the staff at Crossway for about 20 years. And uh, I've been married for 22 years, and uh, I've got four kids, uh, three teenagers and a preteen, and I'm still alive. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm winning. And uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm I'm, I'm super excited. We, we 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 caught up for a couple of days, um, uh, Luke and the guys, and, and 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 a cohort of other churches that are in Perth uh, doing some training around discipleship. We caught up for a couple of days during the week, which was really exciting. So um, yeah, it's great to be with you guys. And um, I've been to Billabong. Um, a few times in, in, in my history, and um, yeah, I'm super excited at, at what God has, and super happy to be your fall guy, Luke. <laughs> You're our scapegoat. Um, Tim, scapegoat. Yeah, 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 sorry, I'll get my language right. <laughs> Tim, what would you say is, I'm putting you on the spot here, what would you say is one, one thing in the life of being a disciple of Jesus that you're passionate about right now? I am passionate about helping build people's confidence in two areas one that that we can that we can really hear God for ourselves in a practical simple way that's relevant to our parenting relevant to our workplace to our career that's relevant you know raising our kids relevant in in our ministry in in, in every domain of life so building people's confidence because I think sometimes it's hard to have confidence that God speaks to us or or, or to get feel like we're getting it right and the other thing is this building people's confidence in in being able to steward the gospel share our faith and disciple people towards faith because my experience certainly here on the eastern seaboard is um that most people's confidence is absolutely shredded when it comes to how do i share my faith 
and I, we feel and certainly my journey has been discovering that I don't just have to feel a mixture of incompetent and disqualified and sucking at it uh, there's actually a way forward in Australia uh, in 2020 COVID or no um, there is a there, we, we anybody can learn how to how to disciple people towards faith I'm very passionate about that awesome um Tim, if you just uh, want to want to hang around for a minute, you're welcome to. Otherwise, yeah. feel, feel free to jump off the call. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to be your your um your slides person today. So I've got a whiteboard here. And just what I <laughs> wanted to encourage everyone to begin with is that Tim's going to read in a little while from Luke chapter five, verses one to I think you said fifteen, Tim, but I'm pretty sure it's verse thirteen. So anyway, it's Luke chapter 5. So if you've got a phone with you or a Bible, um, it's, that's in the NIV version that Tim read from. And so in a little while, he's going to um, read through that. So I'd love you just to take, um, take that out. We won't have it on the screen today. Um, so if you want to read along when we get to that, plenty of time to prepare. And um, I asked Tim to, to share for us today in part number two of three elements of what it means to be a disciple or to put it another way an apprentice of Jesus so I'm wondering if anybody can remember what those three things are last week um, I, what I dug into was that a disciple of a rabbi or as us as apprentices of Jesus that we are to be with who might we be with Peter, <laughs> be with Jesus. And from there, this helps us to become like, this is not a hard test, everyone, who might we become like? <laughs> and from there, we learn to do what, who did? <laughs> do what Jesus did. And Tim's going to help us um, with a really another way to put that this morning, um, but also to really unpack um, a, a little bit of what this this middle one is about becoming like Jesus. And Tim's going to describe that in terms of the words, the ways, and the works. But I'll let him do that in a few minutes' time. Um, but as I said, in the meantime, Luke chapter five is what Tim's going to read from in a little while. We thought that we would use a um, a, a more reliable form of technology known as the pre-record because Zoom is fun, but it sometimes drops out. So I'm glad that this has worked, Tim. And um, thank so you for good. coming in, uh, calling in, introducing yourself. Uh, Total pleasure for us. Um, let's pray as we prepare our hearts to hear. Um, what the Lord's saying through what Tim has shared, um, prepared for us. Father, we thank you that you are present here in this place and that uh, we're able to use technology to hear from a friend and a brother all the way on the other side of the country. And uh, we, we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to your message for us this morning, the little yes. things that you might challenge in our hearts right now. Um, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to become more like you, Jesus, as we try to live this life of being with you, so that as we be with you, we become like you, and then we learn to do what you did. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak through this, this pre-recorded 20-minute message this morning into our hearts. We, are, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and shape our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so Amen. much, Tim. We'll catch you, uh, catch you on Tuesday, mate. 100%. See you, everyone. Thanks, guys. Hey, Billabong. 
Uh, it's great to be with you today and I bring you greetings from Crossway Baptist Church over here in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. We're, we're just a few days out of, out of lockdown and we have like 15 days in a row of no new cases and, and no one passing away. So the sun is shining as you can see from, uh, from behind me and I, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you Luke for uh, uh, the invitation to come and share just a few thoughts out of God's word with you. Today, and I want to talk about something that I know you guys are incredibly passionate about, and it's this, it's this call that Jesus makes numbers of times, but he probably puts it most clearly in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. And it's really, it's really a statement that's meant to not only bring true for each one of us, but to shape and form and fuel each one of our lives. And it's interesting because the way that Jesus went about it, he had led up to this moment. He didn't spring this amazing, you know, he didn't delegate planet Earth uh, to 12 guys um, who'd been sort of traipsing around all of a sudden. He'd been leading up until this point. In fact, he'd had such an effect over the th about the three years that he'd been journeying with, particularly his 12 disciples, 72 around them, probably around 120, uh, slightly beyond them, but primarily 12 uh, young men and it's interesting it's such an effect on those guys lives that in acts chapter 4 it's a very early on in the journey as jesus has ascended to be at the right hand of the father but uh, the, the, he's given this task this mission uh to the disciples um, their religious opponents say this about them they are unschooled and ordinary men and then it, luke has this insight he says but they took note that they had been with jesus I love that phrase. It's probably almost one of my favourite phrases in all of the Bible. They were unschooled and ordinary. Unschooled literally means a bad grammar. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, a wonderful level, level, level playing field a statement. But then there's this word, um, ordinary men. And the Greek there, without wanting to sound too posh, the Greek word there for ordinary men is idiotite. So they were idiots who were bad at grammar it's this delightful statement that really says this everybody gets to play and the decisive factor if, if every one of us is going to get to play if every one of us is going to play our role and find our voice and find our place in making disciples it's that we discover the ongoing power of what it means to be with jesus and really what jesus had been training his guys he'd been teaching them but he'd also been training them around this call to be with him, to learn how to make disciples like he did. It's the best, it's probably the simplest way I can put it is this. He challenged them to live out his words, his ways, and his works. To listen to his teaching and apply it. Not just listen to it, but put it into practice, his words. But not just listen to his words, but also to understand his ways and live them out. Because the way that Jesus made disciples, he always intended for them to be able to do. The way that Jesus made disciples, it seems to me, the New Testament is clear. He always intended for you and me to be able to do. And if you are bad at grammar or you think you're a bit of an idiot or other people might think that, then you get to be a part of this. It's not just for the elite or the talented maverick evangelists who will do it anyway. Everybody gets to play. And so Jesus, the way he made, the way he invested in a few for the sake of the many, the way he looked for whether, the, the, he said, the son can only do what he sees the father doing. And so he would follow what he sensed 
the Lord, uh, the Father was, uh, was, was, was prompting him to do. These were some of his ways. And then also he challenged them to learn how to live out the works of Jesus. The works of mercy, and justice, and power, and forgiveness, and healing. What he had been doing, but, 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 but also that they would learn to do that, and they can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Luke's going to press into that space a little bit more uh, next week. But for now, I just want to wind back and just ask this question. If Jesus calls us to live out his words, his ways and his works, what kind of person does that take? I mean, the qualification is, is ordinary people, just like you and just like me. But what it seems to me that Jesus wants to develop in his disciples, he wants to develop in them the skills and the competence to be able to do what he's been doing. But he also wants to develop in them the kind of people who have the kind of character that can sustain that kind of life. And I want to talk a little bit about that. In fact, I want to go right back to the beginning of specifically Peter's journey. With Jesus, And so if you have your Bible with you, would you open up to Luke chapter 5? And I just want to read chapter, uh, verses 1 through 15. And I want to look at this. It's this seminal moment in Peter's life. And we, get, we come up close and personal uh, with him in these moments. And John, in John chapter 1, describes the first, the, the, uh, first encounter in, in one way. Mark does it and Matthew does it in another way. What Luke does is he zeroes in specifically on Peter. And it's actually beyond the words, come follow me and from now on your official people, which was said to Andrew and Peter and James and John. In Luke chapter 5, we get what Jesus says specifically to Peter. It's fascinating. Because what the interchange that happens in these, just these few verses really sets in place the kind of person that Peter needs to be. So the kind of character he needs to have. The kind of courage and wisdom and generosity he needs to develop in his life and learn to be an integrated part of his life so that he can have the character to, to, to live out the works of Jesus. So Luke chapter 5 verse 1 says this, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing the nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything 
and followed him. And while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. It's a story that probably most of us are incredibly familiar with, but it's profound in the moment and in the life of Simon Peter, potentially Jesus' closest friend and confidant. And it's also this moment that Luke gives us front row seats, access all areas to what happens here. And Jesus speaks strongly and bravely and tenderly to Peter. But he speaks to him where not everything changes in a a moment, but his life after these uh, moments will never be the same. And what happens here is there are three statements I just want to quickly look at that, that capture at least in part, the kind of life, the kind of people, the kind of men and women, young men and older men and young women and older women that we need to be in order to live out the kind of life that Jesus calls us to live, to live out the works of Jesus. The first is this statement in verse Five. They've been working all night and Jesus says, and he's a carpenter, everybody knows he's a carpenter or a builder. In that trade, he's, he's incredibly competent. But now he's, for some reason, speaking into the world of small business ownership, particularly in the fishery industry. And the way Peter phrases what he says to Jesus' challenge to put out yet again after a, a fruitless night's fishing, says, what you're saying makes no sense, Jesus. But listen to what he then says. Master, we've worked all hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I mean, it's simple. I mean, it's simple enough to almost miss. But it's not just that Peter, who's interacted with Jesus, it's not the first time he's met Jesus. He's already invited Jesus, knows him well enough to invite him over to his house. He's, he's already been at his and Andrew's place and healed Uh, Peter's mother-in-law. We know that from the previous chapter. So there's a developing relationship and developing rapport, but that still doesn't make Jesus an expert in fishing. But here's the thing. Peter looks at Jesus and he's seen enough by now. He hasn't seen everything, but he's seen enough by now to rate Jesus. And for the first time in his life, even though he's maybe confused, maybe frustrated, but for the first time in his life, he takes a step of surrender. And that's the first thing. If we are going to be the kind of people who live out the ways and works of Jesus, we're going to have the kind of character, the kind of wisdom and courage and generosity to live out the kind of life. Then the first piece is this. We need to learn the life skill of surrendering to God. Not just once, but really in so many ways, surrender is the one way that we can always take a step towards God. Even when our will is being frustrated to surrender to his, and it was the way that Jesus lived and a way he, from the very beginning, called Peter to live. It wasn't the only moment of surrender, but it was the first one. And here's the thing. Whenever we surrender and whatever we surrender, 
God will always fill. And we need to be full if we're going to serve. We need to be filled up if we are going to give and be generous. If we are going to be, be the servants that, 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 that people around us so desperately need us to be and our God calls us to be, then we need to be filled. And scripture teaches over and over again, whatever we surrender, he will fill. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is this, and it comes out of what he said in, in, in verse 8. It says, when Peter saw this, the miraculous catch of fish, his breath is taken away. And he immediately fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And again, the seeds of a life that is going to be lived out, that starts here, but that is going to develop and grow and mature over months and years and decades, starts here in these moments. And so Peter is taking his first step of surrender and now captured behind these words of, I am a sinful man, is a revelation and is an understanding that apart from God, he is lost. Apart from a saviour, he is unforgiven and unforgivable. That without a Messiah who will leave the 99 to find the one, then he is undone and he is worthless. And maybe he catches a glimpse in this moment and instead of a cry of shame or guilt or fear, the cat that, that, that cripples him, or that condemns him. What you see in these moments is the cry of a man who is starting to see his need for God. And what he's realising is that he needs, if he's going to live out this life, what starts here is this need to have spiritual depth. This dynamic of both identity and intimacy that is established and formed and fueled and fashioned by our relationship with God. It's true for every one of us. We need to learn what it means to surrender and we need to learn what it means to have a spiritual depth, you know? And that doesn't just mean waking up really, really early and having a quiet time every day, though that is incredibly important. But some people, you know, they pull out the YouVersion app and it's like their goal is to tick off their boxes on their Bible reading app and somehow feel good about their function rather than hearing and God's voice and God's whisper as they sit and they listen. It's not so much that we read the Bible, but the Bible reads us. It's not that we consume and have this insurmountable knowledge, though understanding Scripture is important. Jesus says, you've got to know the truth has set you free. You've got to put into practice what you hear and what you read. And I know you guys as a church community are passionate about worship. You're passionate about um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're passionate um, about, about prayer. And I want to commend you for that and challenge you to cultivate spiritual depth. What are you learning about yourself and your identity in God right now in life, in this season? What are you, what are you, what are you learning about God's character right now? Where are you in life learning, uh, learning about him as your provider, learning about him as your forgiver, learning about him as your protector or your deliverer? These are profoundly important questions. And, and as we seek the answers to them, it cultivates spiritual depth in us.
here's probably a really important question maybe to put to, uh, to ask this week and to look to answer this week. Where in life right now are you making room for the Holy Spirit to move? In family, in parenting, in your, in your, in your leadership, whether that's in the leadership in the marketplace and in the workplace or whether that's uh, leadership in the church community. Maybe that's in stewarding the gospel. Maybe that is in, in, in leaning in in prayer and fasting. Where in life right now are you making room for the Holy Spirit to move? It's the question that really fuels the idea of being the kind of people who live a life where we cultivate spiritual depth. So surrender, spiritual depth. And then the, just, the, just the third idea that's really important here is in verse 10. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. It's a profound statement. And this statement actually is not said to Andrew or James and John. The, 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 the original language, specifically, Jesus is addressing Peter. Second person, singular. Everything else going on. Crowds, fish going crazy. And Jesus zeroes in on Peter and says these words, don't be afraid. He says to him, if you're going to follow me, then above all, what you will need is courage. Courage that can persevere through misunderstanding, that can persevere through conflict, that can persevere through needing to make the right decision in the right way at the right time. To not give up, to understand the difference between failing and quitting. That there's a difference between hip, being a hypocrite and being somebody who's not defined by failure. You will need, if you are going to follow Jesus, you will need, and I will need above everything else, we will need courage. But not just courage, he says to Peter, and you need to understand you will live for more than yourself. Life is not designed to serve you, Peter. You are designed to understand that whatever you power and influence or resource you've been, you have has been given to you. And you need to leverage that for the benefit of other people and for the glory of God. And what really sits behind these ideas, this idea of living for more and living with courage is the idea of sacrifice. Being able to understand that I don't just use what I have for my own ends, but I sacrifice for a greater cause. Being willing to sacrifice sets us free to serve. Being willing to sacrifice uh, sets us free to be generous in a way that doesn't do it so that we get something back. It, it Sacrifice helps us buy into the mission-critical idea in life that that's better to give than to receive and that the end game of life is not just what happens in us but what happens through us sacrifice this first step of sacrifice that Peter will need to make because it says in verse 11 so they pulled up their boats on the shore left everything and followed him surrender spiritual depth and sacrifice three key components if we're going to live with the character with the courage, with the wisdom and with the generosity that needs to be in our hearts and be a part of our lives if we're going to live out the ways, the words, the ways and the works 
Jesus. What I'd love to do right now um, is I'd just like to quietly pray. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for Billabong, now this, this great church uh, in the heart of Perth. Uh, and I want to thank you for the passion that they have to be that watering hole in their community. So committed to uh, the networks of relationships around them. Lord, I want to pray. Would you pour out your Holy Spirit? Would you build them as they, as they seek to build a discipling culture in their context, as they seek to lean into the next season that you have for them? Father, I ask that you're cultivating them and you'd help them cultivating each other's spiritual depth. I want to sacrifice and surrender, I pray. And our prayer together is your, through that, your kingdom will come. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.